Uh, as we come to the start of a whole new year, the tendency for almost all of us, I imagine, is to look ahead. Uh, I think we are living in a season in history when all of the attention and excitement is always future-word. We're constantly being invited to look at the next innovations changing history, to consider who the future candidates might be, to be looking always at that far horizon. And that is one of the reasons why I think the scriptures are so important to us, uh, perhaps now more than ever before, because one of the great truths of the Bible is that if we are to prepare adequately to make the most of the future, it is essential that we familiarize ourselves with the past. That one of the most important acts of preparation for moving forward in life is to remember the lessons of the past. Uh, we hear this theme very often in the teaching of the prophets of the Old Testament. I think of the prophet Moses who hits this theme so often in his conversations with the people of Israel. And I want to bring to mind just one of those particular uh, moments. He says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness. And I love so much about that particular verse. The call is to remember the one who has been leading you and who has led you all the way, who has been there moment by moment, step by step, even during those times in the course of your journey past, when you were totally unconscious of him, that it was him who was steering you and moving you and shepherding you along the journey. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way through the wilderness. In this particular setting of the scriptures, uh, the people of Israel have been journeying through the uh, wilderness. They've escaped from Egypt. God has delivered them from bondage in that place. They've wandered their way through uh, the wilderness of Barnash Kadesh. They've been uh, learning all kinds of lessons along the way. And God knows that they are about to cross over the Jordan River and into the Promised Land. And when they get to that particular place, their journeying will not be over. They will now find themselves confronted with all kinds of fresh challenges. Uh, the people of those lands, the, the, the call to uh, occupy the land and to build up the culture that will be essential to the eventual birth of the Messiah. And uh, because of this, God knows that the Israelites need to remember uh, him, him, their Lord, their God, that they might have strength for that part of the journey. In fact, one of the greatest guarantors of their ability to face what's going to be coming at them with courage and clarity and confidence is if they can remember how faithfully God got them through the past. And so one of the great calls for all of us at the start of a new year is to remember how the Lord God has led us, to look back, to take inventory upon the journey that we have been on as individuals, as a church, as a nation, and remember the faithfulness of God. Uh, that stays with us even as we move into the days to come. Moses also calls the children of Israel to remember that the path that God has been leading on them on was for a crucial purpose. It was not simply to get them from point A to point B, from Egypt into the promised land, from, from yesterday to tomorrow. That's never God's purpose alone. It's, it's to shape them along the way so that when they arrive at the next critical moment or destination of their life, they are more prepared to respond to the opportunities and the necessities of that moment with the kind of character that they need, the kind of faith that they need. 
And so anytime God takes us on a journey, it, 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 is, it is not simply to get us to a destination, but to transform our character, our, our convictions, our perspective along the way so that we can be even more instrumental to him when we get further along that particular path. And so Moses stresses this. He says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness to humble and to test you. He, he was taking you on this journey so that you would be humbled and tested in the course of that pathway in order to know what was in your heart, he says. God is always profoundly interested most in the condition of our hearts, in, in the spirit, the will, the orientation of our lives. This is what God is always wanting to be refining. Uh, it's the thing we take with us wherever we go, as my wife so frequently says, Dan, you, the situation, if you've had challenges here, they're not going to change over there because wherever you go, there you are. And so the condition of my heart and your heart is, is the most essential thing about us. It is the thing that which brings transforming potential through God's grace when we reach the future challenges of our time. And so in the story of the children of Israel, his interest is to know what's in their heart and whether or not they would keep his commands, the scriptures say. Moses says God wanted to know. And this journey was all about discovering whether or not you would keep his commands. When the going got tough, would you stick to his commands? When the fashion was, had shifted elsewhere, would you stick to his commands? God is always concerned to know that about us. Will we be faithful to his commands, to his calling, come thick or thin? I talked recently with a member of our church family who has moved away from this area now for quite a few years and is about to go through a, a gauntlet of challenges in the United States military. In fact, uh, several of us on our staff were interviewed last week by a military intelligence officer doing a, a checkup on this individual to find out what was in his heart to discover more about what his character really was, to see if he could be entrusted with what was now being asked of him. And I believe that right now he is actually going through a, a very difficult journey. He is in the midst of a journey that is subjecting both his mind and his body to terrific tests and challenges. He is seeing himself enduring all kinds of harrowing mental and physical uh, tests that are trying to also expose the quality of his heart. And if he does not rise to the commands that he is being given, if he does not answer the call of this particular moment and do what his commanding officer is requiring of him in this particular time, he will then return to normal life. He will simply go back to, to normal life. And I suppose nobody could blame him. Everybody would understand if he simply chose a normal life. But if he rises to the commandment, if, he, if, if, if what is in his heart is what the commander is truly looking for, then, then this young man is going to become a member of the United States Special Forces and is going to have the opportunity to use his gifts in life to make an influence uh, to exert a good and a help and a power for rescue that few will ever taste in this life. Much like that young man or like the 
Israelites as they were passing through the wilderness, our congregation has been invited on a harrowing journey of sorts over these past couple of years. It may not have been the toughest journey that will ever be required to walk or that you've already walked in your life, but I don't want to minimize how challenging this journey has been. 25 months ago, God led us onto a pathway we have simply called around here, Take Root. And, and at first, I am sure that, that Take Root seemed to many of us in the life of our church like just another building campaign or just another uh, fundraiser. We've all been through those, not only in church life, but in other walks of our life. I know that many of you got tired with all of the, the talk of money and giving. We heard from you. Uh, this is a congregation not shy about expressing its convictions on things when they feel some measure of discomfort. And yet I hope that along the way, if you've stayed with us during this particular journey, you've come to see that what Take Root really was at its core was not about a building, it was not about simply raising money. Take Root was a discipleship boot camp. That's really what it was. It was a set of challenges. It was a a journey of testing in a sense. It was an attempt to discover uh, to what extent our heart is pointed in the direction of God and of his priorities and his purposes. It was a serious test of our faith in the faithfulness of God. Do we just say this stuff or do we believe that God is the supplier and the provider? It was a challenge to reorder our priorities, the things that we invested. And the reason why it was so painful at times to hear a conversation about money is because our wallet is the last conversion point of our lives. Martin Luther said that. The wallet is the last thing to be converted. Uh, because where our treasure is, there is our heart also. And we are slow. I will confess this for myself. I'm slow sometimes, to give up all of the diversified sources of meaning, purpose, significance, prestige in my life, and to give it all to God. Uh, so I understand why there were pinch points for all of us uh, along the course of that journey. But the reason that God took us on this journey was to make us his special forces, uh, to make us into a, a force of witness that God could use even more fully than he already was using us to fulfill his plan to rescue this world, to accomplish his purposes, to spread his kingdom in this world. And as one of our trustees said, what came as a result of this congregation's commitment to going on that particular journey, what came out of that discipleship journey is simply, in this man's words, knee-bending, just knee-bending. And before we rush off into a whole new year and all the stuff that God has for us in the year ahead, I just want to invite you to remember with me what God did during this season. To, to contemplate and to celebrate what the Lord our God has done in and through the people of Christ Church during this past 25-month period. One of the great outcomes of Take Root was to fully underwrite all of the normal core ministries, mission outreach, and media outreach of our church's life. Not a small commitment in and of itself. And, and, and many of you who have been around the church for a while know that it's a stretch every single year just to do those normal things. There's often a, a desperate fire alarm bell being rung at the end of the year. And will we make the budget? Will we supply the needs? And because of Take Root, 
there was no such bell in the last two Decembers. Uh, We simply rose up together as a congregation and we met the need. And through the meeting of that need, extended God's grace and truth out to thousands, indeed tens of thousands of lives around this region and all across the world. Uh, Your investment in Take Root also had a further effect. It enabled us to underwrite and to move forward uh, many of the strategic objectives of our 2020 strategic plan. Uh, 25 months ago, for example, we had felt this stirring in our hearts as the leadership team here that God was calling us to begin to branch out from this Oak Brook location into some new locations. And uh, it was just a twinkle in our eye. We did not know what we were doing, really, in a sense, but we felt a sense of calling to go as Abraham and Sarah went, as so many others have gone to help extend the witness of the local church into new territory. And now, 25 months later, there is a Christ Church Downers Grove. I'm speaking to some of you right there right now, a congregation of more than 200 folks who are gathering on a regular basis now to worship God and grow in the character of Christ and to serve their community in his name. How about that? That has happened. You've made that possible through Take Root. Uh, Two years ago, we had a vision uh, that God was calling us to make an even greater impact in an under-resourced part of DuPage County along the Roosevelt Road corridor. We had done some initial relationship building in this area, but now, 25 months later, we have established Resilient, a 501c3, a nonprofit Christian community development organization that now has its own staff that musters and organizes volunteers for mentoring and tutoring and, and English language training and, and uh, practical aid assistance that is touching dozens and dozens of young people, of single moms, and helping them find faith and find flourishing in a way that would never have happened had it not been for Take Root and whose ripples will go out for a very long time through a lot of lives precious to God. Uh, Two years ago now, uh, we we, uh, had a marvelous constellation of of global mission partners. Uh, We were able through Take Root to continue to fund all of those global mission partners, but then go beyond that into some new deep investments in a particular area of the world in Kenya, Africa. And because of Take Root, we were able to find two schools, one in one of the most uh, grinding slums that you could ever even imagine. I I can still smell it when I think of of the Mathari Valley. And another school out in one of the rural areas outside of Nairobi. We were able to go into those two schools. We were able to provide scholarships for the kids, uh, compensation for the teachers, uh, renovation of the physical facilities of that place. And today, there are hundreds of children being grown up in faith, being lifted towards thriving, being given a pathway out of poverty and hope because of the investment that you made in Take Root, because of your willingness to go on this amazing journey uh, together. Because of Take Root, we've been able to fund uh, all kinds of, of improvements in the uh, internal ministries of our church. I won't uh, go into all the detail on that. I think probably most visible to those of us who, who come to the Oak Brook campus on a regular basis is the expansion of our physical facilities here and all that that now makes possible. 
And if you attend this particular Oak Brook branch, I, I, I hope you are pleased with the developments. It took us a while to get through all of the parking hassles and the rest of it. But now we have just amazing ability now to conduct ministry from this place. And even if you don't come to Oak Brook, even if you're part of the online community or Downers Grove branch and that's your main place of belonging, what we have done here to invest in this campus is ensuring the continuing vitality and strength of this important platform so that we are able to continue to sow seeds of faith, hope, and love for generations ahead. This is what you made possible through your commitment to take root. You know, if a person just attended here occasionally, and many people do, or if they um, simply sat more or less on the back row, no, no criticism meant to those of you on the back row right now, um, it would be easy to think when you walk into this apparently very well-resourced congregation that this just happens that all of this ministry, all of this development just happens, that, that somebody else just does it and we don't really have to worry about doing it or our particular part in it. There's some angel that will come along. I'm reminded of the uh, video that's uh, running around the internet right now in which this husband is, uh, sees his wife carrying some dishes up to the sink and she's starting to, to, to get to work on them and he, and he says, oh honey, you don't need to do that. She said, looks at him con with some confusion. He says, no, it's all right. Just, just leave them on the edge or put them down in the basin of the sink and, and it'll be okay. It's a magic sink. And she looks at him like he's insane. And, and, and she says, what are you talking about? He says, oh no, every single day. Like I, I have these dirty dishes and, and coffee cups and I just bring them along and I drop them into the sink. Or I can leave them all over on the side. And the next day they are completely clean and all put away. It's a magic sink. And she rolls her eyes, of course, knowing the truth. I am not the sharpest pencil in the box, um, but I will tell you that, that I am aware of the actual physical hands that God has used to accomplish the amazing things he has during these uh, past uh, weeks, months, and years. This whole take root outcome didn't just happen. God worked through people to make it happen. And so I just want to take a moment to remember with you some of the specific people that God used in this powerful way. I want to, I want to recognize and thank first and foremost the uh, trustees and elders of Christ Church who as this division was developing and as, as, as we're, they were hearing some questions being raised, understandably raised by, by people, uh, believed in the vision and said, let's do it. Let's reach for it together. Now is the time to advance as a church in these ways. I want to express my tremendous gratitude for the uh, amazing number of people uh, who have worked in the steering committee of Take Root. Uh, we had a, a, a cast of folks, a team that worked for three years on this whole campaign effort, organizing small groups, prayer ministries, communication materials, uh, so many different uh, dimensions, retreats, dimensions of this uh, campaign. It would not have been possible without the amazing group that felt this call and responded to it and stuck with it through thick and thin. I want to just also observe that, that there were two amazing women in particular uh, on our staff that were highly instrumental along the way. 
Uh, we would not have been able to complete this effort had it not been for Sherry Adams, our Executive Director of Generosity and Stewardship, and her amazing colleague, Jody Page. These women worked tirelessly day after day for years, often late into the night, putting together communication materials, organizing special events, uh, developing and, and checking publications, and, and, or, and just preparing for things in every way. And the investment they made in these things and relationships that they built were second only to the spiritual uh, leadership and the sacrifice that they modeled again and again in a way that inspired those of us who were alongside of them. Uh, we also want to express gratitude for the incredible communications and AV and worship departments of the church uh, who just put on so many of these uh, celebrations that helped us catch God's vision uh, and also the myriad other staff and volunteers who pitched in, who became the, 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 the hands in the sink in a sense these past two years uh, that made uh, the progress that we've made uh, possible. Back at our building dedication in November, we had the chance to, to thank some other people uh, from our facilities team for all of their hard work and expertise. Uh, we celebrated a lot of the, the outcome of our Oak Brook campus expansion. But I just want to underline again that we could not have possibly done this uh, without the consistent support of the folks at First Midwest Bank and without the village of Oak Brook that came behind us and smoothed the way for us and I want to especially recognize today uh, the, the president of the village of Oak Brook, Dr. Gopal Lalmalani, who is actually with us today as he was at our groundbreaking. Dr. Lalmalani, would you stand for a moment? We just want to say thank you to the village and to you for your support. So, so grateful uh, for what this has meant um, to us along the way. Above all, I just want to say thank you to you to the people of Christ Church, uh, because it is only when there are many hands on the task that it becomes lighter work. I want to say thank you for going on this journey as courageously and as perseveringly as you have done so. In a sense, I think God's grace working through you was the ultimate magic of Take Root. Uh, you allowed the awesome, amazing, life-changing God have access to your purse, to your person, to your priorities, and you responded to him in a way that moved his grace and truth out into the lives of people who would not have found it otherwise. And without your daring generosity, we could not possibly have accomplished all of the things that I've been describing to you today. So I just have to say a loud thank you so much to you uh, for all that you have been used of God to do. Uh, like the tale of Abraham and Sarah, uh, with which we started this journey. Some of you may remember that back in the fall of 2016. We looked at how God called this, uh, this ordinary couple on a great journey and how at time after time they faced challenges, they had questions, they, were, they, they struggled at times. It was a zigzag journey at times. But much like them, those people who are, in a sense, the mother and father of the whole growth of the faith of the Jewish people and the Christian church, much like that, there are so many stories of courage and faithfulness that have defined this season. And we tried to tell those stories. We tried to give a window into them through the various videos that we showed along the way uh, of, of how God was stirring in people, how he was challenging them to expand their vision for being used of him, to trust him more, to, 
to order their priorities after the priorities of the kingdom. And the stories that have come out of that have been just so inspiring. I, I think, and I will always think, of the couple uh, that you saw in one of our videos who uh, found themselves drifting away from the life of our church, but that is Take Root began going. They came back to Christ Church. They got involved here. They heard the challenge, and they said, I think God's speaking to, to us. I think we're meant to play a significant role in this campaign. And, and, I, and I remember how they made a, a, a commitment to the, to the uh, work that we were trying to do at that time, and then he was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. And I remember thinking, well, of course, it's entirely understandable if they redirect their resources now to try and take care of their own family and these concerns. And how stunned I was when at the news of this, they got together, they prayed together, and they doubled their commitment. They said, if there ever there was a time to put our faith in God, not just for our physical well-being, but for what God wants to do through us with the time we have left, however long that is, if ever there was a time to trust God and live for God, it's now. And they have continued to do that. It's not been an easy journey, but it has been one of the most inspiring uh, witnesses to discipleship that I think I have ever seen in the course of my ministry. Uh, I remember the older couple who lived down in North Carolina. They moved away from here a long time ago. But they are part of the, uh, the congregation that watches our live stream. And on average weekend, there are more than 600 households around America and across the world that are connected to the worship life of Christ Church through our live stream ministry. And we're very grateful for their participation. This couple sent a commitment. Uh, they, they contacted us and said they just so valued that live stream ministry. They wanted to be part of supporting Take Root. And I was told this past week that they've actually gone beyond that commitment. Uh, generously, as have many others uh, out there. My own uh, mother and father have made a commitment all the way from Connecticut because they believe so much in the importance of this ministry. Uh, that's the story of so many younger families of our church as well. I think of one particular family of five with kids ranging from 12 to 17, and every single one of the members of that family made their own particular commitment to take root. And you could see the sparkle and the joy on the faces of those children. I saw a couple of them last night, of those kids who had made this commitment. And to know how God had used them was one of the most significant spiritual experiences of the, those young lives. In fact, the response of our entire children and youth community through Take Root has been one of the best things about this season. It probably would have been worth doing this just to help open up the hearts of our kids to, to the idea of generosity and of having their life used for God uh, in a powerful way. Then there are the many couples who've moved off to Florida or some other place who don't even go to Christ any, Church anymore, maybe come back now and then, but who remember how important this church was in their life and that of their family as it grow, grew up. And they thought to themselves, you know what, even though we're part of another church now, we're going to make sure that we see that church up north in the Chicago area continuing to thrive, continuing to make a difference like we uh, saw it doing when we lived there. And so many of those individuals have, have supported this ministry, have been alongside of all of the rest of us, and have now seen, I, I pray, the fruit of this tremendous investment. I really hope that you're getting this picture. I hope this is coming into technicolor for you in some way. Because through Take Root, 
God has been summoning people from every single walk of life to a deeper discipleship. He's taken people who have been long-term followers of him and, and, and led them to a new level of commitment and engagement with his work and his mission. He's taken uh, younger families who have, have been very distracted and, and, and refocused them and, and built up a dedication in them to be stakeholders in this mission and this church's life and, and grown them all the way down to the youngest age of those families. People who have been crushed, crushed by debt and were hardly able to really invest in this effort at all, I, I've heard them tell their stories and how committed they are now to getting out of debt so that going forward they can be part of this kind of an adventure in the life of our church. Hundreds of you, I know, have shifted out of the spectator's seat. You've, 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 you've stepped out of that place where you just expected somebody else to do it, and you became part of the special forces that God is raising up in our day to continue his church's mission in the world. The cumulative effect of everything I'm describing has been nothing short of historic. Uh, nothing short of historic. Over the past 25 months, God has inspired us to a level of generosity that is literally double what we've ever, as a congregation, been able to contribute to his work in a two-year period in the years past. We have doubled our engagement as a congregation in the past two years. To put this in larger perspective, God has unleashed through this congregation the greatest outpouring of generosity for a church of our size in the history of the United States. I just run it, invite you to sit with that reality again. Uh, because our list of projects was especially big, we're still having a, a little ways to go to cover the full cost of the building expansion part of this, but we have exceeded in actual giving the previous national benchmark by well over a million dollars in the past 25 years as people have responded to the call to be used of God uh, for this mission. I think this is something remarkable and worthy of remembering. Moses uh, encourages the people of Israel in these words. He says, do not forget the things your eyes have seen. Do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live, but teach them, teach them to your children and to their children after them. Please don't let take root just be a passing moment in the life of this church. If I get hit by a bus this coming week uh, or I'm going out to Palm Springs, if I don't come back, I might not. Just kidding, just kidding. Don't forget what God has done in our church's life, uh, as I will never forget what God has done during this time. Don't let it just be a moment in our church's life. Let it be a movement that continues on through our church's life. Let's seek a new normal together that is worthy of God and of the importance of his work. Let's find that new normal together in the days to come. You know, many years ago, Jesus gathered his disciples around a table, as we will shortly gather around this table. And when he gathered them in that particular place, he gathered them with a consciousness that he was going to be leaving them physically in a short while, and yet they would need to become the special forces that continued his work in the world. 
they would become his witnesses to carry the gospel message, the life of the kingdom of God to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. How was he going to get them to get this? How was he going to take this ragtag band of people who even at that time were still squabbling over who got the best seat at the table, who was going to have the best position in the new administration, how would he help these people who he loved so much to turn even more from selfishness towards selflessness? How would he do it? Jesus knew. He got up from the table. He was in the seat of honor. He was the one that everyone was focused on, the guest of honor at that particular gathering. He got up from the table, he took off his robe, he wrapped a towel around his waist, and he began to wash the feet of his disciples. He who was God himself, the one who was worthy of all honor and power and glory and majesty, the one that everybody there should have been serving, he stooped down and became the magic sink. And it was just a foretaste what he did that night. In the breaking of the bread as well. Of the act of supreme, generous servanthood that he would enact the following day when he laid down his body voluntarily upon a cross to pay the price of human sin, to buy our forgiveness from sin, to offer us the promise of victory even over death itself in his resurrection. Jesus left us an example that we should follow in his steps. That particular night, Jesus was trying to deliberately impart to his followers that his example was meant to be their pattern. Don't let your life, he was saying in effect, don't let your life be about grabbing, but about giving. Don't let your life be all about living for yourself alone, but root your life so deeply in me and in the love of your heavenly Father and the reality of his grace that more and more your life becomes about addressing the deep needs of others. Do this, said Jesus, do this in remembrance of me. Take Root has been our congregation's greatest step thus far into living into that particular commission. It has been the biggest reach we've tried thus far as a church to live our way into that commission. And unless you just showed up in the past week or two, you've been here for this journey. You've been part of this incredible adventure. Thank you for your vital part in this magnificent movement of God. That campaign, Take Root, is done today. But that commission continues every single day to be those vessels of influence that carry forth the message of Jesus and his redeeming love into every corner of this world. I'm so excited to see what God is going to do in this year ahead with each of us as we continue to resolve to keep rooting our lives more deeply in Christ for the sake of others. Now, I want to invite you as we close this uh, part of our service and come to the table uh, to offer with me this prayer. 
Let's bow our heads together. And actually, I invite you to keep your head up and to look at the screen and join me as we pray, pray this prayer, our take root prayer, the one we've offered since the beginning of this journey. Let's offer this in unison together. Thank you for giving us your son, Jesus, and deeply rooting us in his love. Teach us to be generous as you have been generous with us. Teach us that all we are and have are gifts from you. And gifts, Lord, are to be shared. Show us the joys of generosity. Help us to understand that others, perhaps unknown to us, depend on us for help. May our time, our money, our talents be given with cheerful thanksgiving. May we take root for the sake of our church, our community, our world. Make us a gift to others in your name. Amen.